Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So uh, we're in a series called All Day Every Day. This is our second week in the series. It's on the study of the book of James. And really, if you read the book of James, I was kind of connected together with our creative team, and we were reading through it, and we started to discuss, you know, about what the book of James is about. It's really about practical living. And as we started discussing, I think it was Matt that made a statement. He said, you know, it's kind of like a finding rhythm in your life. And I really like that idea of finding rhythm. I said, let's, let's make that applicable to the book of James. Finding rhythm for your faith. Because a rhythm is kind of a strong, regular beat. It's something that is a pattern. It happens over and over. What would happen if our faith had that strong, regular pattern a beat in our life where every day we're just following after Jesus. It's just, a, it's just a rhythm in our life where we're going boom, boom, boom. And you just start finding that. Guess what? There would be something that would change in our life each and every day because the Word of God is life changing. That's what it says. It has the power to change our lives. Do you believe that? Okay, just making sure we're, I'm sharing with the right crowd today. So that's good. Uh, so the book of James was a letter written to a, some Jewish believers. And if you were wondering who wrote James, James wrote James. I know sometimes it's confusing. Uh, Timothy didn't write Timothy. Paul wrote Timothy. But James actually wrote James. And, uh, but it was, it was a letter written to the Jewish believers who had allowed the circumstances of their life to distract them from their relationship with God. And they were kind of drifting away from the truth of God's word. And James encourages them to reestablish godly habits into their life and to help them find rhythm in their faith. The definition of that rhythm is, like I said, regular, uh, uh, repeated pattern. And that's what we need in our lives. Today I want to focus, last week we looked at the first half of James chapter 1. Today I want to focus on the second half of James chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open those up. We're starting at verse 19. If you're watching us online, open up your Bibles or turn on your devices and, and don't look at the fantasy football. Stop it right now in Jesus' name. Turn off the fantasy football. Turn on your Bible. Amen. Anyhow, um, so turn that, uh, turn, turn that out. Open up your Bibles. And like I said, this series is called All Day, Every Day. So we're going to let allow the truth that we can find in God's Word in James to apply to our life, and we're, we're believing that these truths are going to change us. Let's begin at verse 19. James writes these words. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. What has the power to save your soul? The Word of God. Jesus is the Word. And He has the power to save our souls. So first practical habit that we should apply to our life is that we should listen to the Word of God. We should listen to God's Word. James highlights three subjects in verse 19. The first subject that he mentions uses the, the action verb uh, quick. We are to quickly listen, meaning that we shouldn't miss an opportunity to hear something that's really important. When James states this to be quick to listen, he's primarily referring to the Word of God. When the Word of God is spoken, be quick to listen. Listen to God's Word because it has what? The power to change our lives or to save our souls. Not that we shouldn't listen in general, 
but our ears should be especially tuned into the Word of God. It's having this desire in our lives to receive from God's Word. You know, you can read God's Word just to make it a habit and get through it and be done. Or you can read God's Word because you want to receive from God's Word. You literally want to have something impact your life. It's to a point where God's Word becomes the most important information in your life. More important than anything else. As a kid, I was accused by my grandmother that I had selective hearing. She always said, you just choose what you want to hear. Because there's a lot of things that are being said, but you're choosing what you want to hear. And I was thinking about that. And I think some people approach God's word in that same fashion. They have selective hearing to God's word. They select those things they want to hear, but then they ignore those things they don't like. It's quiet in this room today. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever, but there's certain things that when you read God's word, you read and go, yeah, yeah, and you select and you go, I take that, boom. But then there's other things in God's word that you read, oh, that's not for me right now. It doesn't quite align with my life at this point in my life. Maybe later on in my life I'll apply that. We have selective hearing when it comes to God's word. But James is writing, guess what? Listen up. Listen quickly. Listen to God's word because it has the power to change your life. The next two subjects, so we, what we're we supposed to do, let's say it together. We're supposed to listen or quickly listen to God's word. The next two subjects that James introduces, he uses the action verb slow. Slow to speak. No, it's not that kind of slow, but slow to speak and slow to get angry. I'm trying to be funny, but no one's laughing, so that's okay. Thank you for laughing online. I heard that laugh. Thank you so much. The word slow means to be cautious. Don't be in a hurry. Don't rush. James tells us to be slow to speak. Do you know it's difficult to hear somebody if you're doing all the talking? It's really difficult to do that. Have you ever been in a one-sided conversation before? Thank you. I heard that right there. Where the other person, here's the thing when you get into one Sided conversation. At some, um, some point, you start to realize that the other person doesn't really want to hear what you have to say. The other day, I got, call, I got a call, or actually, uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Allie or, or, or um, one, of the, one of the ladies in the office called and says, uh, hey, someone called, you need to call them back. They, they were complaining about something. It's no one in the church, so stop looking at each other. No one in our church complained. It was outside the church. And, and I said, okay, so I called this person, and I started to talk to this person, and they were giving off of, uh, uh, some concerns, and they were sharing with me, and I listened through the whole thing, and and, uh, and really tried to do, because I remember what my grandma told me. I had selective hearing. I really do. And so I really work on trying to listen when people are talking because I could. I could just tune things out. And so I'm trying to hear. And so I'm listening to the whole thing. And, and uh, that person gets done talking. And then I start to give my reply. And I got about eight words in. And all of a sudden, the person interrupted me on the phone and wouldn't let me finish my sentence. So I listened again. And, and so then when, that, when, when the person stopped, I started giving my reply again. And immediately, I started getting interrupted again. This happened three times. I was getting frustrated. I was getting, you know, your pastor does pretty well, but then all of a sudden you get, there's a frustration level that comes up inside of me. And so I started getting frustrated. So then I just said, you know you're being very rude right now. You're just not listening to anything I'm saying. 
It was silent on the other end of the phone. I don't think anyone had ever challenged this person before. And I said, you're just being rude right now by not listening. And so then finally, actually, it act, the conversation actually ended up really, really well. And we actually saw eye to eye on things. It was really good. But guess what took place? The person started listening to what I was trying to tell them. And all of a sudden, there was understanding that was taking place between the conversation. It wasn't one-sided. Many times, we have this desire to deliver our opinion, and we have a tendency to elevate our opinion over everything else. I'm going to say it one more time because I think it's really important. Many times, we have this desire in our lives to deliver our opinion. Even when someone else is already speaking, we already are formulating the answer in our opinion. And we stop listening to the rest of the conversation. And so many times we do that. We think our opinion matters more than anything else. My opinion matters. James is reminding us today that it's not your opinion that matters. It's God's word that matters. And he wants to make it very clear in your life that, you know what, if you cannot get your opinion out of the way of God's word, then you will never literally, you'll never truly hear God's word and let it speak into your life and let it change you because your opinion is constantly getting in the way of God's word. Hang on for a second. Shh, just for a second. Thank you. I can't hear myself talk now all of a sudden. <laughs> I know, you're getting blessed. I love you, Latasha. We will never understand God's word if our opinion is always getting in the way. We have to be willing to slow down. We have to be willing to listen. It's not that we shouldn't have an opinion, but our opinion shouldn't, shouldn't, should always take a back seat to God's word. We need to understand. Slow to speak gives us opportunity to first understand. Listen to this verse in Proverbs. Really powerful. Proverbs 18, 12. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only express in expressing their opinion. Isn't that a good verse? A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing their opinion. It's important that we take a pleasure in understanding, but this requires us to slow down and it requires us to listen. Slow, not slow in speech, but slowing down our thoughts and our words that we're going to speak out so that we can actually listen and hear and start to understand. There's an old saying. I love the saying. It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. The other subject in which James is, tells us to slow down is an interesting subject, and that's in the area of anger. It's interesting, James combines, combines both these together. Be slow in speech and slow in anger. Most people, including myself, we've, you, maybe you've quoted this before, maybe you said this. I remember growing up as a kid, and this was, this was you know, shared often, was be slow to speak, quick to listen. Yeah. But that's usually where we end it. We don't usually ever include the rest of what James says in here. He says be slow to speak, quick to, or be be. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. We never put those words, be slow to be angry. Why does James include those words? Why does he include be slow to be angry? I believe it's because anger is always a barrier to communication. Anger doesn't promote communication. It stifles communication. Nothing about human anger is good. There is no production value. It's not something that you can build upon. It's only something that demolishes. Anger has a tendency to destroy things. And I'm not speaking about righteous anger. 
There's a righteous anger that's really good. Righteous anger has something to do with that. That is sin. You have a righteous anger against sin. Or you see something happening where someone is being being hurt or being uh, being devalued and there's a righteous anger in you to stand up. That's not a bad thing in those centuries. I'm talking about human anger. Human anger is that selfishness inside of you that starts to rise up because you've been hurt, your opinion didn't matter, whatever it was the case. And you know it's a human anger because it starts to rise and swell up inside of you and it almost starts to blurt out of your mouth. And I believe this is why James is talking about it because guess what? This this anger in this scripture, that, that impulsive anger, there's nothing that's righteous about it. It's important to realize Human anger derails us. It sets us off course. It's opposite of God's desire for our life. It's difficult to hear God's word when we hold attitudes of anger in our life. Catch this. Peace is what will open up our ears to hear the power of God's word. Peace is what will open up our ears to hear the power of God's word. Paul says that we should let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. Nowhere in the Bible you're going to ever find where anger should ever rule us. It's the peace of Christ that should rule our hearts. And now in James, in verse 21, he tells us to get rid of, eliminate those things that God does not desire. If you really want to hear from God, if you want to get rid of those things that God does not desire. That word get rid of really has this kind of implication of like a dirty, filthy rag. That you want to throw it out and get rid of. That you don't want any part of it. We have this dog named Jack. He's a wonderful dog. He's 12 years old. I got a little rough with him in first service. People started booing me, so I can't do it, I can't do it quite that level today. Um, but we love Jack. Now, if he goes to heaven, we'll celebrate his departure and we'll love on him. But, but we love Jack. But, you know, Jack is, he, he's, you know, he's just getting old. And so, you know, the other day he threw up on our wood floors. It's like, oh, and, he, and it's like, you know, I, you know. And so anyhow, I go out and get the disinfectant. I get the paper towels and, and you know, put the mask on, the shield on, everything else, and my rubber gloves. And, and so then, I, you know, I, first of all, you just got to clean up. If you, if you, just plug your ears if this is you know, starting to bother you. Anyhow, I get the roll of paper towels. I get a big roll of paper towels. And I just clean it up. And then I spray the, the, the surface. We've all probably have done this before. And you clean it up. You disinfect it. And you have this, this pa- gross paper towel. Of, and I go and immediately throw it into the garbage. That's what we should do. That's what James tells us to do. Get rid of it. But what happens sometimes can you imagine, instead of me getting rid of that, that paper towel, if I would have taken it and put it on my kitchen counter, you know I'm going to have lunch later, maybe I'll use that for my lunch later on and, and you know, use that. Well, it, saves, it conserves paper and there's a little clean corner on the one side of it. Oh, it'll be fine, you know. And I use that. You guys would be so grossed out. It's absolutely, guess what happens to the Lord when all of a sudden we return back to our sin? Yeah. What we really need to do is we need to take that dirty, filthy rag and like what James says, get rid of it. Throw it out and get rid of it. And guess what? It will open up our our minds and our hearts to the power of God's word. Because the next thing that James was talking about, he says in in humility that we are supposed to accept the word of God in our hearts. This word that humility can be translated gentleness. Paul states in 
1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 21, that we're supposed to have a spirit of gentleness on our lives. Why should we accept God's word in humility and gentleness? Well, one of the reasons is because the word of God, it says, has the power to save our souls. It has the power to change our lives. It's that changing power that's in, it's important. So we should enter it with humility. But in Psalms it states, Psalms 25, 9, it states, He leads the humble, not, not the prideful, He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble His way. For God's word to have impact in your life, it must be received with humility. Let me illustrate it this way. And I'll, because I think it's really important that we understand, because this is all day, every day, we're trying to apply these things into our lives. Have you ever tried to teach a prideful person? And when I mean a prideful person, have you ever tried to teach someone that already knows everything? Let's see, thank you, Latah. Already knows everything. And it's so difficult because you start to talk, oh, yeah, and, they are, and you're trying to tell them how to do because you know they're going to get themselves in trouble if they don't listen, but they, they, they already know everything. You can't teach them anything. When we come to God's word in pride, it will never teach us anything. we got to be able to come to God's word in humility, in humbleness, ready to receive. Even if we, see, if we already think we know it all, it will have no impact on our life. I have been amazed at times when I'm studying and I'm reading God's word. And I've read God's word over and over and over again. And all of a sudden I'm reading a verse that I probably have read 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 times. And all of a sudden I'm reading it. And all of a sudden it just goes whoosh. And something brand new comes out of it. I go, where did that come from? And I believe it happens when we take time to pray. We get our hearts right. I say, Lord, let me receive what you have for me today. As I read it, I read it with an open mind, with no preconceived ideas, not with selective hearing. But I'm choosing to listen to God's word in a humble state to say, Lord, I don't know everything. Teach me. Help me through it. And all of a sudden, guess what? Boom. It starts to take place. It has an effect in our life. Let's look at the next four verses in verses 22 through 25. I want to read them today in James chapter 1. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word of, and don't obey it, it's like, glancing into, glancing, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. This is where we see change in someone's life takes place is when they not only hear the word of God, but actually they start applying the word God. They start doing it. That's our second point. All day, every day. Let's do what it says. Let's do what the word of God says. Um, it's a practical habit in our life. James states, if you're not doing what the word of God says, then you're only fooling yourself. It's the thought of not being honest with yourself. Where literally, you are deceiving yourself. You're in deception. And I, I don't know if you've ever been in that place, but, man, you can get there easily where all of a sudden you think you're right and, and you're just actually deceived yourself and you're not listening to the word of God. James gives an in, interesting illustration here. He says it's like looking into a mirror. You're looking in, at your face into a mirror. And it, in James's illustration, the word of God is like a mirror. Now, my wife, I, maybe, I was just going to say ladies, but maybe, maybe some of you guys have. Do you guys have those mirrors that have, like, amplification? Like, you look into them, they're like a small mirror. Maybe you have a big one. 
And you look at it and your face is like blown up a hundred times bigger than what it is. You know what I'm saying? That you can, I think it's like for plucking eyebrows or putting makeup on. or You know what I'm talking about. Ladies, do you have those? Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, guys, any of you guys ever looked in those things before? Oh my, don't do it. It's scary, man. If you ever look in one of those things, it will, oh my gosh, you'll never think of yourself the same way again because you look at it and you're like, it shows every pop mark, hole, every wrinkle, every, every blackhead, every, ugh. It's like, you, do you know your skin is really ugly if you magnify it? Like, there's things, there's things living in that skin. What's going on? Don't look at it, man. You'll walk away depressed, never want to look at your face again. Okay. James writes that some people treat the word of God like a mirror. Where they look into it, all of a sudden they start seeing their faults. They start seeing their failures. They start seeing their sin. It starts to be revealed. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that was. What? What? What's that? All of a sudden the word of God starts to expose those things in your life that are not of him. And you start, Now we have two choices when that takes place in our life. We can either embrace the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And we start walking in faith and his grace continues to work in our life and set us free from those things that, that are not of God. And we start, throwing, we start emptying out our pockets and start throwing, oh there's a dirty rag. We start throwing away a dirty rag. No one picked that up. That's not COVID acceptable, okay? So do, I will pick that up only. And we start throwing away dirty rags. We start throwing away these things that don't like. All of a sudden we start getting rid of that stuff. It's really good. Because why? We looked into the word of God Amen. and we realized it's not good for us. But then what some people do or don't do, maybe that would be the better way of saying it. They look into the mirror, the word of God. They see, a, oh, oh, oh my goodness. And they just walk away. Never to return. And they just kind of forget of what God's word exposed in their life that could set them free from bondage. That could set them free from all kinds of things in their life if they're willing to do what the word of God says. But it's too hard to do, so they walk away not understanding. And you see, one of the things in our life that we really need to be promoting in our life is that we need to come to this idea of understanding God's word. And the, one of the ways we do it is we start doing it. We have to have action to obey God's word if we really want to see life change. It's like the, and this is not a Nike quote. This is the word of God. James came up with this first. In fact, I think Nike's infringing on James's words because it was James says, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's get her done. Amen. Going back to my redneck days. Let's get her done. Okay, look at verse 25 again. It says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you, what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. When we read that word law, you might think of legalism. Because many times in the gospel, when you read the word of God, when you read Jesus' words, a lot of times he is going against the Pharisees or the teachers of the law. And so, so many times we think about the law just being bad. And it's not bad. Uh, when you read the word law, you might think legalism. But this, legal, this is not legalism. This is what, not what James is talking about. Because James is talking about the perfect law. It's a perfect law that brings about hope. It's not about condemnation. 
Remember that the Old Testament law was fulfilled by who? Jesus Christ. What man couldn't do, Jesus did. Christ became fulfillment of the law for you and for me. So James is not referring to the Old Testament law of legalism. He is referring to the law of the gospel. This is really important. I know some of you guys might not think of it, but it's really, really important. Because he says it's the perfect law that sets you free. Who can set you free? Thank you. It's the law of the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. When we look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, guess what? We start to be set free from those things that do not belong. He's referring to our following after Jesus. These two terms, law and liberty or law and freedom, seem to be contradictory at first glance, but the law of the gospel is the freedom of mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Freedom is found in Jesus who is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, I'm sorry. I can't look at this dirty rag anymore. It's just bothering me. So here we go. Okay, threw that down. I'm getting rid of it right after this, FYI. Thank you, Latasha. If, if uh, you've read any of the Apostle Paul's writings and the Apostle James' writings, you may have the view that James and Paul are in contradiction with one another. In fact, Martin Luther kind of struggled with the writing of James because he kept on thinking he was going back too much to the law. But as you read it, in reality, there's really a support for one another. Paul reminds us that our salvation, and I want, you, I want to remind you guys, that our salvation is in faith and our faith alone. It is not by works. But James reminds us that our faith without works is a sign that your faith is dead or faith is useless. So meaning you probably aren't truly following after Jesus, but there's no works that are following you. They both bring a powerful perspective, and they both are true. They're both very true. It's not that you earn your salvation through works, but works is the evidence of your faith. Did you hear that? It's not that we earn our salvation through works, but works is the evidence that you truly have faith. Jesus teaches this. He, changed, he teaches that a changed life will bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, what does he say? He says, if you're not bearing fruit, I'm going to cut you off from the vine. Because a changed life bears fruit. It's evidence of, of what's happening in your life. Either way you look at it, the power of God has the ability to change your life if you have the faith to obey it. Freedom is found in Jesus. Let's read the last two verses of chapter 1 of James, verses 26 and 27. It says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James is now basically kind of stepping on our toes. He says, don't say yet you're religious or that you're a Christian and your tongue is spewing out hurt and hate and evil things. He calls that type of religion just basically worthless. That word religious basically means following religious rules. And let me put it in today's language. I go to church. I pay my tithe. I volunteer as a greeter. Sometimes we start believing that that's enough. I want to challenge those thoughts. Those are all good things. You should be paying your tithes to this church. Amen. Thank you. You should be attending on Sunday. Amen. That's awesome. You should be serving. We promote all those things. But that's not going to get you into heaven. 
See, true transformation is when we is, is seen in how we speak and in what we do all day, every day. It's not just what happens on Sunday at church. It happens on Monday at work. It happens at Tuesday at school. It happens at Wednesday night, late at night. It happens Thursday. You can just keep on going, going, going. It's a change of life. And this is the third thing that I want to share with you, the practical habit that we need to put in our life, is that we need to examine our work. Is our work good? Um, we've had a lot of, we remodeled this, the church, and we've had drywall work. We've had, man, our, the guy that does the drywall just does a phenomenal job with the drywall. He just, it's just amazing how well he does. And In fact, some of the stuff that he, that he did, it looks so much better than what it was new. I mean, he's just that, he's just that good. And, and, you know, we've had painting done. And Mike, our uh, GC here, he's oversaw a lot of that. And, and it was interesting, a good painter, one of the things you'll see in a good painter. Well, in fact, had a little bit of an issue on one of the things. And, uh, and Mike came in. I'm going to use you because I see you in the front row. Sorry, Mike. And so Mike came in and, and he uh, and he gets a light. You know, you put light on something, it shows every flaw. He goes, yeah, this doesn't look good. I don't, I don't think this looks right, guys. And that's how Mike talks. Yeah, I don't think this looks right. And he, I don't think, he shows the flaws. He puts a light on it. It's what happens when we allow our lives to be examined by God's word. All of a sudden it puts light on our lives and it says, oh, that's an area that can still be improved in our life. So just like a good worker will always examine the work as it's getting done, a person who's fallen out to Christ, a good Christian, they're going to examine their life. It's not that we should go, oh, shoot. No, no, no. It's not to condemn us. It's to allow God's word to say, that's an area I still need to work on. I need to get set free from that. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Right now, I, I know what? I just, something hit me. I don't know why it hit me. Holy Spirit, come. If you're watching us online right now, if you've been struggling with something that you're just not getting, Holy Spirit, come. It's not to condemn you. It's that the love of Christ, that perfect law of Christ, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, who set us free from the bondage of sin, is saying right now you can be rid of that. You can be set free right of that right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. Is examining our lives to a place and we say, God, I can't do this on my own. I come to you in humility and, and humbleness. And God, I ask that your Holy Spirit come. Set me free from this bondage. Set me free from whatever thing that might be harming you from understanding the truth of God's word called to examine our work. Is God's word still touching my heart? Is God's word still moving me towards godly action? Am I meeting the standard that God expects for my life? If our faith has no practical way of making a difference, then we need to assess our faith and bring correction. We need to pray, Holy Spirit, come. We must live out our faith in a practical way so we can make a difference in the lives of people. Not just in our life, which is so important. That's the number one priority. But then in the lives of others. There are many God opportunities each and every day. Don't get frustrated. I miss them. I get, I'm, I'm real. I'm a pastor. I'll have an opportunity. And I just go, what is wrong with you, Tom? Why do you miss that opportunity? But you know what? I'm continually being reminded by God of those opportunities. And I'm starting to catch them more and more and more. And making the most of every opportunity that comes my way. Shining God's light. Listen to this verse that Jesus said, shares in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, 
so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Did you catch that? Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Today, I just want to encourage you to let your light shine. All day, every day, these are the three things I want you to walk away with. First of all, listen quickly to God's Word. Once you hear God's Word, do what it says. And then go back around and examine your life and say, yeah, I'm doing what God has asked me to do. If we put that into practice in our life, all of a sudden we'll find a rhythm in our faith and you'll see miraculous things start to take place in your life. You will see change in your life. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, that your word will not return void. That's what your scripture says. It has the power to change lives. And Jesus, right now, I pray for those that maybe are not following you. I ask in Jesus' name right now that they make that choice today. That they choose to surrender in humility and choose, hey, Lord, I've been on the wrong path. I've been going the wrong direction. God, I ask that you would change my heart and I choose to follow you. If you're watching us right now, online, or you're here in the worship center right now, it's as simple as this. The Word of God says all we have to do is to believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Ask God for forgiveness of your sins and He will set you free. You might not be, you might not feel it in the sense that, no, no, you are set free in Jesus' name. And now, guess what? The sanctification process of your life being changed is in progress. The last thing I want to share as we pray. God, I say a prayer for every person this week. That Lord God, we will hear your word just a little bit clearer and we'll be a little quicker to hear it. And God, when we hear it, we will be quick to do it. And Lord God, we will start seeing not just our life change, but we will start seeing the change of lives that are surround us. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.